thought about it, maybe you've had this thought, what's really happening when you pray? You ever thought that way? What's really happening? Where's it going? How is it being heard? Who's listening? Is anybody listening? What's the, you ever wonder that? What's really happening? What's going on? And so I have a couple of uh, video clips of, of things that could be. It could be like this. Just prayer, 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 prayer. They're just going. They're just going. They're just going. And they're everywhere. And how does God sort all those out? Just prayer, 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 prayer. They're just coming. Millions of people are praying today, right? Millions of people. And so like, how does God process all that? Is it just this overwhelming noise going to heaven? I can't handle when two of my kids talk to me at once. I mean, I just, I just start to shut down. I, I can't process two data entry points, and I hear none of them. It's not that I hear half of each one. I hear none of them. I'm just disoriented, you know. There's all kinds of prayer. How does it, how does it go? Where does it go? How is it processed? Is there an angel department that kind of collates the list? Here's the top hundred you need to deal with in the next two seconds, God. Here's the next. I, that's clearly made up, but I don't know. I don't know. Or is it more this experience? We're just in the dark. Is it going anywhere? Is anybody listening? Or is it just alone? Do you ever feel that in prayer? That it just kind of, is anybody hearing? Is this being answered? Am I just talking to myself by myself? What's really happening there? What's really happening when we pray? And so what I want us to look at today is this passage, this idea that your prayer joins God's prayer already in progress. We're going to see that today, that your prayer joins God's prayer already in progress. So no, it's not just you talking to yourself in the dark. And I don't think God's overwhelmed by it one bit. He's God. Thankfully, we don't have to you know, sort out that much information. But we're going to see that your prayer joins God's prayer already in progress. So I'm going to take a section from Romans chapter 8 today. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read a larger chunk. The book of Romans is just packed. So I'm going to skip like 80% of what's in this passage today because I'm specifically focusing on prayer. And there's some really key moments of prayer in here and what happens. So... If I were teaching the book of Romans, we would dive into all the little pieces here. But we're just going to keep it to the prayer part. But I still wanted to read a larger chunk just for the reality that God's word is powerful. God's word publicly read is what we're commanded to do. And so I want to read portions of scripture as they are without my comments because that alone can do something in your heart today. So we're going to read 18 to 39 and then I'll come back and look at a couple key spots that talk about prayer. Romans 18, or sorry, Romans 8, 18, 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself 
will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray over that. Lord, we thank you for this word. Would you bless its reading to our lives, to our memory, to uh, our trust in it. Lord, I thank you that you are for us and nothing is against us. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. Help us to understand what you're doing in our lives today. In your name, amen. So this first thing, we just get this realization before we get into how it's helping us in prayer, that life is pretty difficult, right? Like newsflash, right? The sufferings, right? The Bible is full of reality. It's hard here on earth. If we go back there to verse 18, I consider the sufferings. And so there's this, this understanding that you come to Jesus and things are changed, but we still live on this earth and we still suffer and we're still not there yet. And so this, there's, a, there's a real acknowledgement of that in this passage. Life is hard. 
The world is broken. It's under a curse. You see that the sufferings of this present time. But he also points us, he said, but it's not even worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed. So even though they're suffering now, it won't even tip the scale of the glory that's going to come. It's not even going to matter, right? It's one of those balance scales. And, you know, if you have a, a few ounces on this side, and then you just drop 100 pounds, right? It just slams it down. It's not even going to be on the scale. It won't even make a difference. The sufferings of this time, they won't compare with the eternal glory that will be in the kingdom of God. But he talks about this idea that there's futility, that creation is waiting for it. Creation's longing for it to get there. Um, It's subject to futility, right? We're under a curse. The world doesn't work right. Our bodies don't work right. Life doesn't work right. There's a futility here. We're under this curse. I don't want to spend long here, but just this idea of we're just subject to bondage, to corruption, right? But our hope is that we will be set free from bondage, that we will obtain the freedom of the children of God. He says the whole creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth. That's pretty vivid. I've never had childbirth. I've observed four childbirths. That's a very vivid process. That's a very vivid thing. You know, some of you haven't experienced that yet or you didn't remember that it happened to you. But, um, right, that's pain. That's something traumatic happening to you. He's like, that's what life is like on this earth, groaning in the pains of childbirth. And then we're not exempted. You see that in verse 23? Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first through the Spirit. So people who've come to Jesus, your followers, you have the Holy Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Have you experienced groaning? Maybe this week? <laughs> Sometime in your life, you're just like, oh, when is this going to get better? When is COVID going to go away? When is this going to work? Right? And it's just constants, one thing after another. Right? We have extreme weather. We go from extreme cold to warm to some kind of eruption to a potential tsunami to extreme cold in the east. And there's famines all over the place. And, and then you just click through and there's murder here and child hurt there. And you're just going, oh, it's rough. It can be rough, and we have moments of joy, but there is this groan, like, man, when is it going to be better? And we're looking for this adoption of sons, and you're, you're adopted in Christ, but this is picturing the full coming into his kingdom, and notice this is the redemption of our bodies. The Christian hope is not that you escape from your body, that it's redeemed, right? That you're raised, and all the things don't work, work right. And all the things that are broken are healed. And the parts that, are, that don't work, the parts that break, the parts that die are now eternal and glorified. That's what we're looking forward to. Anybody in on that? Yes. So he says this is hope. We're hoping for this. We're in this time of groaning. The world doesn't work right. It's broken. It's under a curse. It's on a timeline. It's not going to go forever. But we're groaning and we're struggling. He says we're saved and we're, we're hoping we're looking forward to something that isn't here yet. You can't hope for what you see. That's a confident expectation. Hope is a confident expectation of the future. And so we're looking forward to this thing, but we don't have it yet. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Sometimes our patience is thinner 
than other times, right? When you're really going through it, like, Lord, just come back. Just come back. Just fix this. And other times we have more patience. But part of the reality of life on earth is a struggle, is a groaning, is a waiting for when God fixes it. So that's kind of our reality. And now I want to look at how this applies to prayer. If you turn over to verse 26, he says, Likewise. So hope helps us in our weakness and in the groaning. This is, and likewise, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So first there's an acknowledgement that we are weak and we are in, we're still in earthly bodies. We're waiting for them to be redeemed. And then he says, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We know there's problems. We know a lot of things are broken. We've got all through the room and uh, things on the wall, but we don't even know how to pray right. We don't even know what we really need. We don't even know it. So verse, the end of that verse is, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we don't know what we need to pray for. We don't really know what we ought to ask for. We don't really know how to take the problems of our life and turn them into prayer. Sometimes I pray as if I do. Have you ever prayed that way? God, if you could do this and then make per- that person think that and then they respond like this, and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I don't know what God's doing. So I can lift the problem. This is the problem. But I don't need to pray out a solution as if God's like, oh, thank you. I would have never thought of that without your prayer. Um, But here he's saying he intercedes. It's someone who steps in. It's like an advocate or a representative that they're speaking on your behalf. So here we're praying through the problems of our life, through the groanings we're experiencing. And it says the Holy Spirit comes in and takes what you're praying and then translates it to what you really need to be praying with some kind of deep, guttural sounds. It could be your groaning. It really says it's his groaning. He's alongside you as you pray. He's taking the things you don't even really quite know how to pray for, and he interprets them and prays on your behalf in a deep, spiritual sounds that God hears. That's why I say your prayers join God's prayers already in progress. So it's not in an empty room going, boy, I better wake God up. I better let him know I have a problem here. It's him saying, I'm right here, and I hear what you're praying, and you don't even quite know why this is happening in your life and what I'm going to do with it yet, but I'm going to pray this in your behalf alongside of you. Isn't that amazing? So it's not the empty, lonely room. When you're praying, the Spirit of God is taking your prayers that you don't even know what quite to ask for and is interpreting them to the Father in a word, in a, in a sound that you can't even perceive. Then verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So I just decided to diagram this. This is very lame diagramming, but it's a little bit like, okay, what's happening here? So I want you to, I'm going to show you my lame diagrams. Here's you praying. Okay, you're the stick person, knees down, and I just put the throne. We're praying to God the Father. And we're praying about this and heal that person and take care of this problem and fix this world need. And, and so we're praying, and so there's your prayers, right? There's what you think. You're interpreting the problem. You're seeing what's going on. So the little green, did this show up? 
it kind of showed up. The little green prayers. And then it says the Holy Spirit intercedes. So I made the Holy Spirit a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. But when he first, this is when he descended on the disciples in Acts 2, he said he descended like a dove. No, no. That was at Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Almost got that wrong. So the dove symbol often means the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes the flame symbol. So there you are. You're praying your thoughts. The Holy Spirit is right there going, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but you don't actually know how it's all going to work out. So let me just translate that up to the Father, what you ought to be praying. You think this is the problem, and it is a problem, and you think this might solve it, but you don't really actually know what will solve it because you don't know the future, and I do. So let me just groan that. Let me just take the depth of what you're feeling right up to the Father for you. So your prayer is joining God's prayer already in progress. He's already praying for you. But then that next verse, verse 27 said, and then it brings the Father back into it. It says, and he who, what did it say? He who searches hearts, so God knows what's in your heart. He who searches hearts, he knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. He also knows the Spirit of God because it's his own Spirit. So he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. He knows the Spirit is interceding according to the will of God. So then there's this God's giant flow right back. He knows what you're praying. He knows what the Spirit's interpreting. He knows everything about it. So there's this this picture. You're not in a room and there's an overwhelming noise going up to God. And you're not in a room by yourself. When you are in prayer, the Holy Spirit is taking what you don't even know and speaking to the Father. The Father knows your heart. He knows everything about the Spirit. He knows everything that is happening. So your prayer is joining God's prayer already in progress. Isn't that an amazing picture we see there? He's already at it. He already knows your needs. He knows everything about it. And so you're entering into this flow. And I love that he's, it's, the Bible's right up front. You don't even really know how to pray. You don't really know what to ask. You know what the problem is, but you don't know the end goal. So he's going to pray it for you, pray it with you, and you're surrounded. So when you are praying, the Holy Spirit and God the Father are completely involved in it. That's why when he comes to verse 28, and we often yank this verse right out of its context, I do it. It's the context is this prayer. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. This is the context. We know it works together for good because the Holy Spirit's praying what you need and the Father's knowing your heart and the Spirit's heart. And so everything that's happening in your life, God's intimately involved in and he's working it together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This just happened in our church. I'm going to hold back names in some circumstances. Some of you might figure this out, but just to be sensitive. We had a couple in our church that's experiencing lots of health problems. One of them wound up in the hospital. And so I went up to visit them. And they're you know, having problems, they've, they've had stroke, then they've had more strokes once they got to the hospital, can't see right. But their comment was, since this has happened, our estranged adult child that wouldn't talk to us has entered back into our life and is now helping and involved in our care. And so I'm thanking God. And I just went, well, this person's laying in a hospital bed having strokes. But their prayer for this adult child to come back into their life was being prayed. But there was no way they would say, so give me a bunch of strokes so I wind up in the hospital. So they, you wouldn't pray that. 
I wouldn't pray that. But the Spirit says, I know there's this rift in your family. And I know you want it fixed. And I know things don't work right down here. But I'm going to do something you couldn't even imagine. I'm going to heal your family. And it's going to be a hard way. Right? No one votes for the stroke path. But, some, but they were praising the Lord. And I was just astounded. I left the room going, oh my, what am I coming here to help you for? Like, you just encouraged me. So it's, this is the kind of things that happen when we say, God, he works all things together for good because he knows your problem. He knows how you're praying. The Holy Spirit's saying, well, this is what really needs to happen. And the Father is involved knowing your heart, knowing the Spirit, knowing everything that needs to happen. And so he can work all these things together for good because he knows all the parts. It doesn't say how quickly or how slowly. It doesn't say that the solution is what you want or don't want, but he's going to work it for good. It's for those who are called, right? He's going to work it together for good for the believers according to his purpose. Oh, I don't like that last part, do you? <laughs> How about for my purposes? No, sorry. It's for his purpose. Which is good? Which is better for you? But sometimes we don't think that. So he says it might involve some suffering. It might involve more struggle, but I'm working good things in your life. I'm shaping you. I'm molding you into the image of my son. I'm doing things in your life that are going to help other people's life. And it's all worked together for good. And it's all in this context of us praying and not knowing what to pray for. So the Spirit and the Father are all around your prayers, working all of it for good for his purposes. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So... He goes on, and then there's lots of, I'm not going to stop too long here. I want to leave room for us to pray. But he goes on to just talk about who you are, right? For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Therefore, some of the things he's working out in your life are achieving that end. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's Jesus. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So he wants you. He's called you. He's justified you. I mean, you're completely declared righteous and innocent. And he's glorified you, and you will be glorified. So then it just goes on to this beautiful picture. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember, the context is suffering. The context is a world that's not working right. The context is broken things and groaning, but he's saying in the middle of all that, I'm, I'm with your prayers, I'm praying your prayers, I'm doing my work that you can never imagine, but God is for you. So what can be against you? you know, right? He And he just goes into the gospel, he who did not spare his own son, but, gracious, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you ever wonder, does God really love me? Like he sent his own son to die for you. What more does he need to show us? And so that's the gospel, right? That Jesus Christ comes to die for us because of the love of God. So, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's like someone filing criminal charges against you. Not that one. Not that one. They're a sinner. They're a failure. He says it's God who justifies. Who is to condemn not that one, not that one. It says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Same word as the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? 
So we have the Holy Spirit interceding and praying because we don't know how to pray. And then we get to this part where we're saying, the Son is interceding for you. The Son. So back to my diagrams. The whiteboard with, with Ryan here. Here's you. Sorry, I chose the male stick figure. It was not intended to be exclusive. But anyways, just think of that as human, okay? Human. There's you. There's the throne of God. And there's this question, who is to condemn? There's all kinds of condemning voices, right? Sinner, failure, hypocrite, cheater, loser, liar. Sometimes I'm my own worst condemner. Anybody with me on that? It just... Last night, I failed in parenting and responded in anger. And I'm like, why can I never get this right? Why can I never figure this out? And there comes the whole list. Satan, the name, (laughs) means the adversary or the accuser. That's his actual name. He's the accuser of the saints. Thankfully, you read in Revelation 12, he's been thrown down. He doesn't have a spot up there. But... He's the accuser. Look at them fail. Look at them fail. Look at them fail. Look at how they can't do it. You might have come in contact with people in your life and like, oh, you're a Christian and you did that. And so they're accusing you. There's all kinds of voices of accusation of why you don't fit and why it doesn't work and why you're not living it out and what's wrong with you. But it's said that Jesus intercedes. None of that gets to the throne, right? None of that gets through, you know. Don't listen to any of that because they're under the blood, paid for all of that, taken all of that away. None of it gets to the throne. None of it sticks because of Jesus. He's interceding for you. You don't have to try to convince God. You just say the blood of Jesus. Yes, I failed. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't get through. None of it sticks. None of it sticks. We're told that in Colossians. He's taken away all the condemnation. He's taken it away. He's nailed it to the cross. It's just done. He's interceding. Even for your own mind. When you're thinking, I'm terrible, and God, why would you listen to my prayer? You just see the Lord Jesus, that's not getting through. That's not who you are. That's not how I'm working in you, right? He's interceding for us. So I just love that picture we've seen, that your prayer joins God's prayer already in progress. The Spirit is praying. God the Father is searching the Spirit's heart or your heart and the mind of the Spirit, so he's involved. God the Son is there interceding, going, none of this condemnation gets through. None of this is true when you're under the blood of Christ. None of it passes through here. None of it sticks. So then this beautiful ending. I'll just read this, and then we'll do some praying. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now notice the list. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. I don't really care for that list. If you're in any of that list, you're thinking, is God hearing my prayers? If you're under a tribulation, if you're under distress, if you're being persecuted, if you're starving, if you're naked, if you're in danger, if someone's hunting your life, is sheep to be slaughtered? Like, eee, I don't, I don't really care for that list. 
But the reality is those are things that usually make us think, well, God must not be answering my prayers. God must not be working. God must not be loving me because all this is going on. And he's saying, no, no, all those things happen, but we are more than conquerors. You're going to get through those things through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, so nothing in the earthly, nothing in the spiritual realm, no spiritual power, nor things present, nothing happening in your life, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All those problems don't mean God doesn't love you and he's not hearing your prayers. He's like, no, you're going to conquer all those things because he's already praying for you in them. The Spirit's praying for you. The Father is praying with you. The Son is interceding for you. You're going to get through all those things. And none of those things mean he doesn't love you. No, he intensely loves you. And he's with you. And he's going to raise you from the dead. And none of that matters. Wow, isn't that amazing? So your prayer joins God's prayer already in progress. What does it mean? You are never alone in prayer. If you think you're just praying and it's going into nowhere and God's not here, no, you're not alone. The Spirit is there. The Father is there. The Son is there. All the Trinity is in prayer. You can't mess up a prayer. Isn't that wonderful? It's like an autotype that actually works. My autotype on my phone actually makes all my words wrong. I'm like, why did that? This is the autocorrect that actually works. You're praying, I need this, 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 and the Spirit's like, he really needs this, 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 this. Right? I want this, 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 and the Father's like, yeah, I know your heart, and that would actually hurt you. I'm not giving you that. Right? And you're thinking, I'm terrible, terrible, terrible. Why do you listen to me? And Jesus is going, not getting through. That's not who you are. You can't mess it up. You can't mess up a prayer. You are not condemned in Christ. You're just not. That's the voice of the enemy. That's the voice of failure. It's not the voice of Jesus. And then finally, you just need to know you are deeply loved. The circumstance doesn't have say that God loves you or doesn't love you. The truth says God loves you. He's working in the circumstance. He's conforming you to the image of his son. He's taking this for his best good, which you don't always know what it is yet, because you're deeply loved. And all those circumstances, none of them means he doesn't love you. You're more than conquerors. So let's let's respond in some prayer. Uh, Pastor Mark, the first song he has is about bringing it all to the table. So I want us to say, as he's singing this song, that you take some time right where you are. This will kind of be sort of an individual prayer time. And you just pray out the things that you're feeling condemned by, the things that you're struggling with, the things that are holding you back. And uh, bring it to the table. Confess it. Call it out. And then I'll come back and we'll do a prayer time and we'll pray around this room here a little bit. So let's, let's have this just be a time where all those condemnation, all those voices you just bring to the table.